Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey listeners, if you haven't checked out one of Sense of Soul's sacred circles, I invite you to go to Sense of Soul Patreon and check out when the next circle is a safe space to connect and an opportunity to support and feel supported with other like-minded souls. So I hope to see you there. And for today's episode, I have Art Geyser. He's an NLP trainer, a medical researcher, a healer, intuitive, a leadership and team specialist for major corporations, and has had four decades studying psychic development plus energetic and spiritual healing. Art has been blessed to receive two empowerments directly from the Dalai Lama of Tibet, including one to increase his ability to heal others. And he is the creator of Energetic NLP, which combines the best of neuro-linguistic programming, energy healing, intuition, and spiritual transformation. Through studying with developers of NLP and prominent spiritual leaders, Art has continued to develop Energetic NLP to the wonderful field that it is today. This system has simple tools and techniques that allow you to clear and develop your energy field to promote personal development on all levels. In addition, you can use the tools to do energy healing for others to unleash their miraculous self. And it is my honor to have Art with us today, and I look forward to this conversation. Nice to meet you, Art. How's it going? Great to see you. How are you doing? Oh, great, great. I was just, ever heard of Lilydale? No. It's this old spiritualist community, like 150 years old in uh, West Buffalo in New York. And uh, I taught a workshop there last Friday and then hung out and there were healings every morning and meditations and in great energies and a little lake. It's like summer camp is a little lake of woods. <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. I, I live in Colorado. And I haven't really made it to the East very much. Mm. I'd like to eventually. I live in California, mainly in the Hollywood Hills, LA, but part-time San Francisco. So visiting my niece and great nephews in Rhode Island. So up in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in my daughter's bedroom right now, which <laughs> she's got guinea pigs. They keep running around. Hopefully we won't hear them. <laughs> One of the places I studied psychic development, it was pretty noisy, and at first it annoyed me. And they never said this, but I realized part of what they were teaching us is it didn't have to be pristine. You, know, you didn't have to be sitting by a waterfall. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I do readings for people at airports and, you know, <laughs> you know, just realizing like, you know, yeah, it's great if it's pristine, but, but to think you need it is a limitation, you know. I absolutely agree with you. And I think some of my my favorite conversation has been in the middle of chaos. So <laughs> I was just listening to you with Neil Donald Walsh and and a couple of other podcasts. So I, I love your style and philosophy and everything. So 
Same. I, I feel the same way, Art. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you coming on. I look forward to, you know, talking about energetic NLP. So how did you get to where you are, Art? Uh, when I was a kid, I was interested in two things. One, to be a scientist when I grew up. But the other was, I just knew there were all these powers of the unconscious mind and, and ESP. I knew all that. I just knew it was real. And in fact, I in elementary school, I would hypnotize friends and cousins. And my mom tells me we were in the library and I wanted to check out a book on hypnosis. I was really young, so the librarian wouldn't let me check it out. So my mom checked it out for me. And she said the librarian gave her this, you're a terrible mother, look. Oh. <laughs> wow. So you've been a seeker like your whole life, basically. Yeah. But then I never went deep. I was interested a little bit in Hinduism and Buddhism at a time when and even I did a little yoga in elementary school, but I never I never went deep with anything. But I just was fascinated by these different kinds of ways of thinking. And, you know, and then I became a medical researcher, health science researcher for many years and then discovered NLP and really got into energy work and healing. And you were lots of yeah. paths. You've studied lots of things. So did you have like a rooted religion that you were connected to? Well, my parents had been raised Orthodox Jews, but they raised us as Reformed Jews. My father had a very like natural spirituality, like in the in World War II in the Pacific. He would, even though he was he was in the Navy, they signed him to the Marines, and who were very redneck and didn't like Jews. Um, but um, he ended up leading the group. You know, they, he was their spiritual leader. He'd lead them in prayers and stuff, and it, because there was just something about him that it was a very deep kind of natural spirituality. Not that I think he ever studied anything other than uh, you know Judaism, but he he just had a deep connection to to spirit, and he was one of the early computer mainframe computer guys. <laughs> Maybe partially why I wanted to be a scientist when I grew up, you know. Wow, so you, so you were aware of technology probably earlier than a lot of people then. Oh yeah, when people didn't know what the word meant, and um, I was the bug rat when they took up rooms and it was under the floor, and you know. Back in the 50s, you know, and we went to California because he they taught him electronics for in the military radar and stuff. And somehow he got hired to run the second or third commercial mainframe computer. And so we went to California to do that. Wow. So what's your what's your thoughts on AI then now? Um well, I I I, I love it on one level. I'm aware, you know, it, it's like any. Well, I compare it to NLP. Like sometimes people go, well, NLP isn't that all about power and manipulation. And I go, well, no more than any other powerful, no more than spirituality, psychology, medicine. <laughs> you go, that's not what it's about. You can use it that way. So, I mean, there's some amazing things about AI and it's scary too. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I guess it's just the uncertainty is what's scary. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, ultimately you know more and more and more what's what's possible but it's amazing now i mean i can even ask it like what's art geyser's philosophy and it comes up with (laughs) it's pretty darn good you know i've actually argued with it in one (laughs) really (laughs) yeah yeah so I, i thought that it was one of my first conversations and i was like no you know and kind of went back and forth and had to have it find the information to wow. see where I was going. <laughs> yeah, you can upload data, you can put in 
conditions and stuff. And then you get a lot better results. Um, actually, okay. I've taken courses on it and I'm learning. And you know where I really like it is when I'm writing. You know, sometimes you just go, I don't like the way I've written this, but I don't know how else to say it. I can put it in AI and go write this 20 different ways. You know, I may not like anything it does, but it, right. it, I go, oh, I didn't think of that angle or those words. And, you know, yeah. I know. had it to go. <laughs> I know. See, so I had made a mini series on my journey of Pistis Sophia, like learning about, you know, oh. this Gnostic gospels that I had never heard of. It was so foreign to me and it took me on this journey. And so it was, it's a private mini series and it has like 15 or 16 short episodes. Wow. The people who I'd send it to were like, you got to make this into a book. And so I thought, okay. So I transcribed it first. I'm running it through now, the AI, and it's still my words, my theories, yeah. my ideas. But like you said, it, it helps structure it a little bit better. Oh, yeah. And you can tell it what perspective to have. Creative. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I am very casual and I want, I, so that was kind of the one thing is as I was writing, I was like, you know, I don't want to write like some scholar. I'm yeah. not like that. Like I'm just casual. And literally these things that happened to me in my discovery came so divine and uniquely just for me. Yeah. And with some of the the AI, you can upload some of your stuff and go learn my style and then write it in my style. Oh, that's that, really smart. I mean, it's amazing what it can do in, in images too. I mean, you can create some really uh, great images with it. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to play. So I love that you have like this tech side of you and still yeah. the love for, you know, science and for spirituality and your seeker as well. You know, I was a corporate consultant for me. I still do a little bit with yeah. leaders and teams. And I actually have even more to a number of like pharmaceutical companies, which is a trip, is a healer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I hope you spread some healing also on top of whatever consulting you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, everything I do is permission-based, but it doesn't have to be conscious. Yeah. And, and of course, it's not accident if they get me. So I do a lot of energy work with them. And every now and then somebody during a break will go, I know what you would do. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get someone awakened that'll be like, hey, wait a minute. This is, yeah. this is my consultant here. Well, I love that, you know, and I don't know if you know anything about me, you know, about my ancestral journey. But when I saw that, that you even had you've even taught courses or have some yeah. sort of course on that. That's a huge part of my journey. And I actually have a program as well. Um, it's a little bit different because it's more of, I work on their tree on their actual tree. And I do the history. That's like fun for me. I've gotten really good at it. I've probably done like, I don't know. I used to say a hundred trees, but we've gone way over a hundred now. So how it started was with my own tree. So I spent six years working on my tree wow, and my ancestry and through my DNA. And on my mom's side, I'm French Creole. Mm. Wow. So, and then on my dad's side, Czechoslovakian, Jewish. And so having both sides and understanding that, wow, I have a lot of trauma going on in my genes that it was hidden purposely. If these things are within me and their stories have never even been acknowledged, you know, how much of this is living out in my daily life 
you know, how much is this also passed down to my children and, and who's going to be right. the one to stop it? And if you remember Madeleine Albright, she was a secretary of state. Mm-hmm. And um, it turned out she didn't realize her family had been Jewish. And then during the Holocaust, they converted and hid and everything. And nobody in the family even talked about it. She didn't even know somebody found know. it you know, and let her know. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I had no idea either. None. And I have a great percentage of Jewish. And I also have a great percentage of African-American. I didn't know. But I was the one to receive it because here I am in Colorado. We're the only family that left the South. And so yeah. I have a different upbringing. And I, I just need to find it was like I was I was the only one to receive this. The whole ancestry thing. It's so amazing when people are finding out that, you know, that they didn't have a clue about. You know? and let me tell you what, something very interesting is that something started to happen within me. And actually, I didn't even seek this to happen, but I started to desire the need to know more Mm. about Jewish mysticism, especially. And I have learned more from rabbis about Christian religion than I did ever 40 some, you know, years in Christian Christianity. You were raised Catholic, right? Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so I love actually, I, I talk to a rabbi often, and I want to do a segment called Drashing with a Rabbi. <laughs> it's some of my most favorite conversations. Oh, interesting. And it, it's great when you realize you can embrace all this as your your ancestry, you know, that, I mean, on one level, everything's our ancestry, but it's neat to have that neat, that realize there's a strong connection to all this variety. Right. Yeah. And it made me who I am. It's living in my DNA. And, mm-hmm. you know, now at this point, I would say after all the work I've done, I'm really living off of the strength of the foundation of that. And that is what actually pushed me over the threshold to be able to receive inner wisdom. That's yeah. really fantastic. So tell me how how you got there when you started to figure out that there was something deep within us that we needed to acknowledge. I don't remember what age it started, but I just knew like so that our unconscious minds had all these abilities that were m- miraculous. I knew that things like, you know, extrasensory perception, I, I just knew all of that was real. And I never thought about it. I just sort of knew it. But what kind of held me back for a while was, you know, the old idea that you were either born with these gifts or you weren't, you know? Yeah. And, so I was, uh, well, the hypnosis and stuff, like, and the unconscious mind explored, but the, the the whole extrasensory perception and that part, I, I was kind of afraid to explore it because I was afraid I'd find out I, I wasn't one of those special people. And then, you know, when I started studying it, I realized I was one of those special people. <laughs> then I realized that I wasn't one of those special people because everybody was one of those special people, you know, and then. Sure, you know, it's like anything else. People come in with certain proclivities. But, you know, I always tell my students, like, anybody who wants to learn to do healing, energy work, uh, psychic phenomena, channeling, any of that, anybody can learn to do it because they're all human abilities. Mm-hmm. It's not everybody's path. It's not everybody's interest. But the, this whole, like, oh, the special people, is just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. You know, that came up for me recently, too, when I when I looked at saints, I was studying some of the saints um, only because they kept popping up along my journey. Even mm-hmm. Saint Sophia 
um, cathedrals in the middle of Kiev, you know, and, you know, my mm-hmm. journey with Sophia and most people were like, well, who the hell is St. Sophia? Who's Sophia? And actually there was no evidence of a Sophia. And really? so I was, I was doing, you know, his, you know, some history on saints and I found, I'm like, we all have these abilities and these, right. de- some of it's just decency in us um, to be able to be sainted. You know, why is it just special for, you know, those who have been named saints? It was funny when I was little one time, I, I said to my father, I go, how come there aren't prophets? You know, there's prophets in the Bible. How come there prophet, aren't prophets anymore? And, and he gave me a great answer. He said, well, there's people who say that they're prophets. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I thought that same thing. I've pondered on that and just thought, well, did God just stop talking to us? Yeah, right. Or did we just stop listening? Yeah. But that answer really worked for me because I understood what he was saying. It's like, there may be, you know, that that was all I kind of needed to know. Like, okay, you know. The other thing I asked him one time is, why would God care if we worshipped him or not? Mm, That's a good question. And that he just went, well, that's a good question. And he just kind of left me with it. But that worked for me because it was like, you know, just validating that it was a legitimate question was all I needed. Wow. So I know in my journey, like synchronicities have led me, you know, Mm -hmm. well, first I would say I had to obtain awareness first, but once I found awareness, it was hard to not be aware. And then in that space, there was all these synchronicities that were obviously the definition too good to be coincidences. Mm -hmm, Right. And I followed them because they were divine to me. They felt divine that. I was like, is this angel sending me this? Is it Mm -hmm. God? What is this? And then recently it shifted to, I believe it's maybe my higher consciousness, maybe a future self. Like I've come Mm -hmm. to give myself more credit than outside of me. Well, on all of my programs, that's one of the goals is to have more and more delightful synchronicities. And on a lot of levels, I think everything's synchronistic you know, period. And like you, when people go, well, where do they come from? I think they can come from a lot of different sources. And, you know, and, and even going, where do they come from, sort of presupposes that we're not all interconnected. If we're all interconnected, and include spirits, guides, angels, God, you know, deities, then, you know, it, it doesn't even totally make sense to go, which one did it come from? But what I really like, and what you said is, I think it, we always are, are participants. You know, it's not happening to us. We're, we're co-creating it. And um, if I can tell you a real funny synchronicity, and in, in my programs, if people get too serious, sometimes I'll start singing children's songs because how serious. Yeah, and of course, they look at me like I'm nuts and they get into it. And one of my favorite is Old McDonald because I like making the animal noises. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm teaching them to do healings and readings and stuff, if they're serious, they don't do anywhere near as well as I go, let's, let's just play with this. And then they, their ability skyrocket. But, you know, in Old McDonald's, the course is E-I-E-I-O. Mm-hmm. And I've taught a lot. And I used to go to London like five times a year to teach for a few weeks each time. So I have a whole community in London. And I was walking with a uh, one of my students who'd become a close friend. And, and she and I were walking at night in London. And this woman is pushing this baby carriage. And the baby's completely silent. When they come, even with us, the baby goes, E-I-E-I-O, and, the, and not another word. <laughs> We're kind of looking like, 
do we know you? <laughs> like, right. It was just right when he was next to us. And then. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, when you asked me how I got into all this, it was everything about it was incredibly synchronistic. I, I went to a lecture on intuition and here I was managing this research lab for University of California in San Francisco. And I was proud of the work we were doing. We were studying the effects, how um, the changes in estrogen and progesterone in a woman's body during pregnancy, how that was causing different effects in the body. And nowadays you would call it epigenetic research, but you know, but that was a new thing back then. And I went to a talk and but I was stuck. You know, I was proud of what we were doing, but you know how like that feeling like I this isn't what I should be doing, but I had no idea what uh, what I should be doing. And I'd always had a belief that something was just going to appear. But you know, the years were going on. I'm thinking, well, <laughs> maybe I'm just kidding myself. And I went to this talk on intuition. And during the break, I went out in the hallway and there was a bulletin board with flyers on it. And I read the words neuro-linguistic programming. And when I read them, it literally felt like a bolt of lightning hit me on top of the head and went straight down my midline. And it felt like, boom. And the scientist in me was going, what was that? And the mystic in me was going, well, it was a sign. What do you think it was? So I walked back in the room and I'm kind of stunned. They had a, a table where they were selling books on intuition. So I'm looking at it and all the books are on intuition except for one. And I look at that one book and it's on neuro-linguistic programming. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I bought the book and then everything about that. And, and through NLP, because I was studying in Marin County, north of San Francisco, where, you know, if you throw a rock, you'll hit an astrologer, a yoga teacher, a psychic. <laughs> so people started teaching me things and introducing me to my first teachers. And then everything just sort of took off from that. But you had to follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah. But even there, everything would be like this woman went, oh, this psychic, uh, incredible psychic, Lynn Martin and his wife, Stacy, and she's great too. They're going to be teaching a workshop next weekend, but we're just inviting people over on Wednesday and they're going to do readings and you know, things like that would happen. And he became my first real teacher and, uh, you know, and just things just wow. were, were the whole time. So, you know, discovering that you had this gift, you know, that you discovered that everyone does have, there's a lot of like learning how to trust yourself, you know, which does go back kind of to what we were talking about, about those patterns that are in your ancestry, you know, they've been handed down, you know, one generation after the other, you know, I mean, I didn't come into those, into this body, not trusting myself, but yet there was something that I learned as I grew up and watched. And actually, I heard something that you said somewhere in, in something I was listening to you and where you said this even begins when you're in the womb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you start absorbing energies from your parents and other people when you're in the womb, partially because you love them and you're trying to heal them and partially because if the giants are in trouble, you're in trouble. So you start absorbing their emotional energies but also, they don't know it, but they're programmed to program their children. Even if you never met your father and mother, they were still programming you. And of course, if you have step-parents and stuff, every parent's programming their children outside of their awareness, which is a good thing to a point, because every child needs to know the rules of whatever family, society they're born into. And, but for people who be, you know, watching your podcast, um, there are people that want to be authentic and they want to grow and evolve. And so we need to 
keep releasing the old programming and connecting more with the information from our spirit and from our deep inner human wisdom. And by the way, in my programs, I make people take a pledge that they're not going to believe what I tell them. (laughs) (laughs) They do that. They laugh. I I ham it up to make them raise their right hand. And I go, I'm serious. And I made up a term beliefs du jour, like soup du jour. And I go, I don't believe what I'm telling you. This is what I think today. Hopefully, it's better to say, but I want you to consider what I'm saying and use it as a way to connect to the information from your own spirit and from your deep inner human wisdom, which will be better than what any teacher can ever tell you. So, you know, this all comes back to what you said about trusting yourself. Not 100% trusting ourselves, to me, is a good thing because every thought in our head, or even if you're channeling it, uh, it doesn't mean it's true or right. There, there are always levels of understanding that are working with um, the the level of of our own development and understanding and knowledge. So, if you think of the ancients, we, we, you know, you're talking before about ancient knowledge. They had to explain, like, what what are the stars? You know, they had to explain things based on information. Yeah. So, I think we get presented things in ways that we can deal with at that time. But as soon as we think we have the absolute truth, that's when we get in trouble. And Neil Donald Walsh, I think in the interview, kind of addressed that too, that people don't question their own spiritual and religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that to me, that's a little doubt's a good thing. <laughs> and when I teach people how to read other people's energy, you know, they get all worried that, am I going to tell them the truth? And I always go, no, you're going to tell them what you perceive and the way you interpret it. And if you tell them it that way, you never hurt anybody. You know, if you go, this is what I perceive, this is how I make sense of it, because you're always putting control back to them, you know, and honoring that, like, I'm just telling you what I get. And when you do it from that level, it's always helpful. And sometimes you are like completely spot on. But even if you aren't, if you do it from that level, and like I say, every psychic, every channeler pollutes the information, you can't help it because it, it filters. In fact, I used to go to a spiritual center in Brazil a lot. And a friend of mine, an American who lived near there, uh, she ended up uh, building a house next to hers and she'd rent it out. And my my friend had helped design the house and stuff. So we could always stay there whenever it was always like ours when we wanted it. And so her cats knew me really well. And I like the belief that we're here to learn and grow. And every now and then I'd meditate and I'd go, is that why we're here? And I'd always get the same answer, which is, no, but that works for you. And then, you know, a few months later, I'd I'd meditate on, are we here to learn and grow? And I'd always hear, no, but that works for you. (laughs) So I'm I'm sitting outside in Brazil, and I'm reading a book, and one of the cats is by my feet. And for some reason, I thought of it again. And I got the same answer, no, but that works for you. And I went, well, why are we here? And I felt compelled to look at the cat. And a voice in my head said, we could as easily tell you what you're doing here as you could tell that cat while you're reading a book. So learn and grow works for you. That's fine. <laughs> that sums up my philosophy is I think we we get information at a level we can handle. It stretches us. I don't think anything I get is like the ultimate truth. It's it's like when when I teach people to work with chakras, it's useful that, you know, like they look like little spinning vortexes and stuff. I think all of that's a useful fiction. So like when I look at it, some of the chakra, it's it's dynamic and multidimensional, and um, but that's kind of hard to deal with. 
So I was just going to go, okay, show it to me like a spinning wheel or a vortex. But, but you know, you get what I'm saying, that I think it's important to have a little bit of doubt. Well, here's how I think of it now. There's so many well-meaning people that I, I hear on podcasts and stuff, and they're always like, this is the truth. You know, yeah. as if they're coming down from Mount Sinai with the tablets, and it's kind of like, no, this, these are great ideas. It's not the truth <laughs> to me. <laughs> I found myself as I was along my Reiki journey, putting myself back in a Reiki box. And so I had to kind of, even though I still teach it as a foundational practice, I think it's wonderful, you know, to be able to teach people about their energetics systems. Um, but I always say, make this your own, you know, this is a foundation, you know, but I had to pull myself back out. I said, I just got out of a box. And then I put myself back into a new one. Hey listeners, did you know that Sense of Soul has a network of lightworkers affiliates program? Now you get to work with one of our inspiring guests, and I'd like to introduce you to one of our affiliates. Hey listeners, this is Jennifer from The Soul Experience and host of the podcast, The Soul Traveler. I'm here to tell you about the most profound method of inner work that somebody can do while on a spiritual path. It's called quantum healing hypnosis. In a single session, you will revisit your past lives. Your subconscious will come forward to scan your body looking for blocked emotions and health concerns. And then your higher self will answer the most important life questions you have. Your session is audio recorded so you can play back all of the advice from your higher self. And you know you can trust the advice because it's coming from that part of you that is connected to source. So if you're ready to take the next step on your spiritual journey, then visit me online at thesoulexperiences.com and be sure to mention that Shanna from Sense of Soul referred to you. You can also go to mysenseofsoul.com and in the menu, look for the network of lightworkers. Now back to our amazing guest. So yesterday, I want to share this. My daughter, six months ago, got this big loft bed and I put it together for her. It was back in April. And uh, it had a nice desk underneath and it was quite high. It had stairs. It took me like two days to put together. It was exhausting and it was expensive. And so she gets up there and right away I could see, uh oh, she's quite high to the ceiling. And, you know, she's like, I'm good. I'm good. Well, every storm that we've had, she's sleeping on the floor. You know, oh. oftentimes she's sleeping. Yeah, it hasn't worked out. So, and it was school coming. I, I knew she needed, she needs to get a good night's rest. I mean, this has kind of been an issue, although she doesn't want to come to me and admit this. Right. So right. I finally said, it's okay. I care about your sleep and your health mm-hmm. rather than us just saying we made a mistake on this bed. So we got a new bed yesterday, took down the old one. It was exhausting. Six hours of taking down beds, putting back up new bed. and. I took a break at one point and I remember actually I said to her while I was building this, I'm like, I don't know a lot of people, Ken's that would go, her name's Kensley, that would go through these lengths. I'm going through great lengths right now, physically, mentally, financially. And not that I was saying it to make her feel guilty. I was just really, truly feeling all of that in the moment. I was sweating and exhausted. And, and then I took a break and I sat outside with my dogs, had to bring them out. 
And all of a sudden I was thinking, oh God, I was thinking no one would ever do this for their kid. Am I enabling her? And then all of a sudden it hit me. My dad would have done this. Uh, I, he did do this. He did this kind of stuff many times for me. And, and I, and I didn't appreciate it. And, mm-hmm. and now I appreciate it and it's too late. I wish I would have appreciated it when I was her age, almost, you know what I mean? He did this stuff time and time again for me. And I mean, big, big things. Like I remember one time I blew my engine, you put a new engine in. And like a few weeks later, I traded the car in, <laughs> you know, and it was an Audi. <laughs> so, I mean, just, you know, stuff like that. And then I, I just cried. Um, ah. And my daughter, she saw that I was crying. She's like, what's the matter? And she's 11 and she comforted me and uh, she held me. And, and she was like, well, you know, I appreciate you, mom. And I just thought, well, we are evolving. <laughs> but that's such a great lesson because, you know, after I was learning NLP and working with clients and hearing about people's childhoods, I was talking to my mom and I went, you know, there's so many things I've never thanked you for that were just normal to me. You know, yeah. now that I, I hear the, what a lot of people's lives were like, it's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, um, yeah. yeah. I think it's that you let her, you know, not not in that guilty kind of, you know, like a, you know, uh, like a comedy movie way, but just kind of let her know. Because I mean, I do wish I'd have known to appreciate more of that when I was young, rather than thinking. That's just normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was a spoiled brat, actually. But you know, I you know, I, I always look towards my mom who was that had that southern hospitality who mm-hmm. taught me not really was the model as was her sisters, her mother. I admired them as mothers. They're, you know, such good mothers and they were martyrs. You right. Know? Right. And, and I looked up to that. And of course, I've spent years shedding that and 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 kind of finding strength and and being nurturing again because that's I almost became like determined I wasn't going to be a martyr. So then I lost the softness in me. So I had to find the balance. I mean, it's you know, I don't want to be a codependent. But that was part of my my giving and loving. And, you know, and so where's the balance? And so that's really been a lot of my journey over the past years. Uh, I can only imagine. And the other thing I, I like to, I, I don't have children. And often people ask me for like, you're not. But I mean, child rearing advice. And I always go, well, I don't have children, but you could try this. And, and almost yeah. always go at work. And I always go, really? <laughs> yeah. But one thing that's fascinating me working with people is that no matter what you try to do as a parent, the child's always going to interpret it in their own unique way. And my favorite story around that is that one of my students had been like a very, you know, anxious, fearful, single mother. And she goes, my daughter is a strong, independent woman. And, And she goes, so one time I asked her, like, how did you end up that way with me as your mother? And she goes, well, it was because of that gift you gave me one Christmas. And she's going, what? I may have the name wrong, but there's something like magic kitchen kind of, it was some kind of thing like that, you know, for girls. And the mother had very little money, single mother. 
but she finds one in a, you know, a garage sale or something and gives it to the daughter. And the daughter is telling her, and when I got that, I knew anything was possible for me. <laughs> and, um, and I laugh because I could, you know, it could have easily been, well, you ruined my life because then I thought everything happened magically. And so yeah. I've never. <laughs> so I think it's important. I think it's wonderful that people like you are thinking about how to be a good parent. And I think it's just important to realize kids are going to interpret it however they do. And that, that we're all on our, our soul journey. I think parents can relax a little bit too. I mean, I think we went from the time when people didn't think about good parenting at all. You know, I thought, you know, you got to feed the kids, take care of them, you know, um, but not to the level like people now. And that I think people can make themselves a little crazy for trying to be the right parent. Yeah. And just realize like, everybody comes in, you know, we're not blank slates. People come in with their little personalities. Yeah. More story about that. I used to like to ask men who consider themselves to be a good father or a bad father, you know, why they thought that. Mm. The bad fathers all had the same story. My father wasn't a good father. So, you know, I didn't have a good role model. The ones who thought they were good fathers were two camps. One, well, my father was a good father, so I had this good role model. But a lot of them, it was the opposite. My father was a terrible father. And I decided when I had kids, I was going to be a good. So I'm just saying wow. each little little soul is coming in with their yeah, own. You're yeah. so right. I think that because they have kids from two different generations, mm. the mother I was before is not the same mother who I, who I am now. Like the mother before wanted my children to be all these things because the world says this is what, you know, a successful child looks like and you're going to make me look better. <laughs> right. That's where I was. And then now, you know, it's uh, letting her lead me in how she's feeling and experiencing life. Everything that I do, even the decision about the bed, I felt into it. It was a feeling that I followed. It felt right to do it. And I did it. I don't care if people want to judge me about buying my daughter two beds in six months. That's <laughs> what we did. Well, I, I love both of those, both letting her co-create with you and that you're, you know, you're trusting your guidance and your feelings. And I'm laughing because right before this, I was talking with my niece. They live in Rhode Island, which is where I am right now. And we were talking about like the ordeal I, I hear it can be in there, like getting kids dressed for the snow and then immediately they have to go to the bathroom, you know, all that stuff. And she goes, I'm talking about how one of them doesn't like wearing boots. And she goes, honestly, a lot of days he'd be fine without them, but the other parents would judge me. <laughs> yeah. Gone are the days for this one right here. <laughs> Yeah. And I love that these younger generations that are coming in are less conditioned. They just are. When, when I was 17, I, I decided to take a, an ecology course. And um, uh, the National Science Foundation had these uh, courses at universities for high school students. And I, I was admit I, I got to get into this one. And they go, what are you doing this summer? Well, I'm taking a field ecology course. Eco what? And now I remember when my niece was five, she knew what to college. Was, you know, I was like, you know, I, I mean, they're so aware. You know? Yeah, they're so aware. I mean, Kensley has taught me so much. I mean, I this poor child has cried over, you know, uh, like the Willow Project or, you know, different things and has scolded me on certain 
things that I could be, you know, um, recycling and, you know, uh-huh. and like, yeah, but teach me, right. I'm ignorant in a lot of that. My generation was happy to have chicken nuggets in a styrofoam box. I mean, it was great when those came out. Yeah, and plastic. Yay. <laughs> oh, scary, scary stuff. And becoming aware of, I think of yourself also expands. So that's why I think it's so amazing with them because, you know, this has taken a decade just to become aware of what's in within me, which Mm -hmm. then you can't help but to be aware of what's around you. Yeah, no, I I think you can criticize every every generation criticizes other generations, but (laughs) no, and they've got their things to work on. But I, 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 yeah, I just think, young people and kids nowadays are pretty amazing. Well, I mean, it sounds like you were too. I mean, taking an ecology class back then in, in, as a 17 year old, that's pretty amazing. I mean, do you know that I wanted to be a female pastor Mm. at that age? Wow. Which, you know, is definitely outside of a box of growing up Catholic. Yeah, way outside the box. I was a little defiant. Part of what happened for me, I happened to see this article that it was a, a really popular pesticide called DDT. Birds mm-hmm. and stuff, and they eventually banned it. And I happened to see this article, and they were finding DDT in the tissues of penguins mm. in the you know, Antarctic. And wow. it, you know, so I'm reading that thinking, what? <laughs> you know, it's like if it's in their tissues, what on earth is going on? And, and I was interested in science, so it's kind of like, you know, I, I could extrapolate and kind of go, all these chemicals around that were just, you know, and things happening that we need to learn about and get control of. You know, humanity's learning. You know, we didn't. You know, things were like, well, this is a wonderful thing, and it killed mosquitoes. You know, and at first they, they didn't realize what it was, and of course, then you had people that didn't want to ban it because they were making money. But before that, it was really well-intentioned people. And I think there's so much demonization going on, not by people like you, but in general nowadays of people that think differently and that um, it's important to appreciate that a lot of what people do had a, a reasonable intention underneath it. And in NLP and neuro-linguistic programming, we talk about every action has under it some kind of positive intention if you go deep enough. Even yeah. worst behaviors that... And when you realize what that is, then you can connect with people on that level and then work with changing the behaviors. But as soon as we're deeming like they're bad, they're evil, they're this or that, then, you know, we just end up fighting one another. Yeah, you are right. Even those who have always been at war with each other, they're all just fighting for, you know, what they think is best, you know, from their perspective. But, well, and it sounds like you're very good at reading people. I know for myself, being an empath, the times where I was unaware when I was around people, like I was a massage therapist for years, I'd come home, I'd be massaging someone's hurt leg. Now my leg hurts. Right. right? Or I'm around someone, they have jaw pain and I now I have jaw pain and it started to get stupid. I mean, I'm like, what am I crazy? You know? And then I realized, oh my gosh, I've been doing this since a kid with emotions. And then I had to learn to protect it. Now I see it as a gift. You know, how much of that, that physical part of reading people is within your work? Yeah, and, and actually I have 
whole programs just dealing with empathy, you know, being an empath, I should say. What's important, uh, and it's funny because at this Lilydale, the spiritual center I was at, there were a lot of good healers, and a lot of them were very overweight, which I don't, I don't have any judgment on that. But often in a healer, that's a sign that they're not clearing other people's energy out of their energy field. Mm-hmm. A lot of emotional energy gets stored you know, in the navel area and below, and people unconsciously put on weight to kind of buffer it because they don't know how to do it. And typically people do one or two things. They either, they often try to wall off the energies yeah. and there's ways to deal with it. What I was taught and what I believe is that everybody's the sovereign of their energy field. So if somebody else's energy is staying stuck in you, it's hooking into something. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot to hook into. It can be karma, spiritual contracts, conscious beliefs, unconscious beliefs, energetic programming, ancestral programming. And a lot of the people that would be uh, attracted to your podcast have been healers in other lifetimes or learned healing systems here where the the old-fashioned way to heal people was you took on their stuff and healed it in your space. Mm. Healers are unhealthy because unless you're really, really good at that, um, you end up, like you said, you end up taking on their things. And the more modern way to do healing is you don't use your own energy. And that was the other thing. And they're using their own energy. Yeah. Draining themselves. So they're sending their energy. And this is what I was originally taught to send my life force to other people. And I was taking on their stuff. So they were great. I was (laughs) going down the toilet um, until people were were able to teach me to do it differently. So what I teach them and how I was taught was you use earth and universal energies, not your own in the healing. So like if you're healing me, the healing is going on in my space, not yours. Now, you may be getting a healing too, but it's your healing. My healing's happening over here. So one aspect of it is like helping people clear the the programming that tells them the kind of martyrdom, I must take on your stuff. And and people don't realize how glorified martyrdom is in our cultures. Um, And uh, sacrifice and martyrdom is is wired in. And that kind of cousin of that is punishment. So we'll have a lot of programming about martyrdom, sacrifice. We should be punished because we were bad. I mean, you think about it, even Santa Claus. You know, if you're not a kid, it isn't just that you don't get a gift. You get a lump of coal. You get humiliated. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, and, I, and I'm not saying whether that was right or wrong for other parts of human history, but in the in, in the new age, people are going, yeah, sometimes. You know, you're a mother, sometimes you have to sacrifice, but we don't have to aim for sacrifice or glorify. We don't have to glorify martyrdom or punishment. And so when you start clearing that programming and clearing the belief that you have to take their stuff on and give give away your own energy, that's a big part of what I teach people and in, in working with karma and spiritual contracts so that they learn other ways to help people where you're not taking on their stuff. And once they have the beliefs and you can teach them different techniques. So for instance, say a lot of times people try to put up walls and the problem with that is you've got walls. <laughs> and uh, you know what a lightning rod is. A lightning, you know, for anybody might not know, a lightning rod is a piece of metal you put on a house or a barn and then you run a wire along the building into the earth. And that's 
so the lightning would hit the rod and instead of going through the building it goes around the building well in a similar way but the important thing there is you're not fighting the light lightning we all know what you resist persists so you can imagine little symbols around you that they're grounded into the earth and just set your intention and ask your spirit that when energies are coming towards you that aren't good for you they go into the 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 like a little symbol or ball of energy and they go into the earth so you're not fighting them you're redirecting it in the same way you can also go if i'm releasing energies that i don't want other people to have to deal with my emotional energy they can hit that little symbol and go into the earth so you're not in resistance to anything those kind of techniques will only really work well if you change the the programming and beliefs that you have to take on their stuff or that you have to heal everybody and um it's funny when i'm teaching people to do healing and this relates to the whole empath thing a lot of times they then think they have to heal everybody or anybody who wants the healing from them and i like to say to people that are christians that i go it doesn't say in the bible that jesus healed everybody you know they make a big deal about when he did heal people so uh, if jesus didn't i'm not saying he could or couldn't you know that's a different belief system but it's clear he didn't heal everybody. Um, and I go, if Jesus didn't heal everybody, why do you think you have to? <laughs> and they usually laugh and go, I didn't think about it that way. So when you start changing yeah. the unconscious beliefs, uh, then the last part of that that I'll, I'll mention is that um, is learning how to do the healings in their space, not in yours. So all of these things come together yeah. and then then it keeps you from taking on their energy and then having either their emotions, which is so common. I mean, most of the difficult emotions people have, it's not even their energy. I and, know. I say that all the time. Oh, good. Yeah, because I mean, you know, working with energy, and that's the other thing, as you work and have more experiences with energy, you start to, just like you would working with any sense, you, you start to... Hmm, that smells like guinea pigs in here, <laughs> right? I don't even have to see them. I smell them. Right. You know, you start to notice energy in that way. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of stinky. But <laughs> smelling a guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the energetics of those little guinea pigs, they're, they're interesting. That's for sure. I just had this um, amazing experience with an animal intuitive over the past few weeks. And I can't wait to release her episode. She's magnificent. Oh, I, I want don't to know listen. How she knew my dogs. <laughs> I, I want to learn. I met some people at Lilydale who did that because I haven't put an attention on that before. So, well, you know, I being outside. You know, I didn't grow up where anyone said you should just be and just be with the earth. Breathing is important. All these things. In fact, the only time I was by myself, I was punished. Usually, it was punishment to be oh, alone, right. right? So <laughs> now, you know, shifting my perception and just being with me um, outside, um, nature and birds and animals have become such just, I marvel like at them. Just, it's amazing. I mean, watching the freaking squirrels in my tree sometimes, it's like going to like a Barnum's and Bailey circus. I'm like amazed what they can do. Well, it's so funny you're bringing this up because because of those animal communicators, when I was in Lilydale, I, I was like watching the squirrels and 
there were these, I'm not sure if they were toads or frogs, but it was at night and they were all like hopping away from me. And I thought, well, I'm going to try animal communication. So this one, I went, would you let me pet you? I'm not going to pick you up or hurt you. And, and it worked. So the, the day I tried it with some frogs didn't work at all. So <laughs> I don't know if it was, it was so funny because I, I, I just sort of mentally talked to him and, right. and he didn't and let me pet him but like they were the frogs they weren't having it <laughs> they're like we have salmonella dude you don't want to touch us and it's funny you would bring it up because i was really having fun watching the squirrel wars and the chase each other and, and all yeah. that <laughs> i know it's truly remarkable and you know my dog and like now i know why my dog sits there and watches them and tries to join in <laughs> i don't know what it meant but they're they're a ravens that they're doing construction across the street from me where I, in the Hollywood Hills where I live. And the ravens that used to live there now, like my roof, uh, like a couple months ago, I woke up and I'm hearing this bang, bang, bang. And there's a raven at the window looking at me and going bang, bang, bang with his beak, looking at me, going bang, 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 looking no. at me. <laughs> wow. And I thought, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> but um, I, I never figured out what it was about, but it was like, okay, I see you. <laughs> Yeah, I've had some pretty amazing moments like that with hawks. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah, I know. We have got really big hawks here in Colorado. Well, I don't know if they have them everywhere this big, but in my neighborhood, they're pretty darn big. Mm. And like, they'll take a dog, you know, if it's small enough for sure. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, I've had some pretty amazing. In fact, I even have, I even caught a hawk totem one time on video, like flying wow. with hawk it was pretty amazing yeah but see there you go with technology now you know we're able to kind of catch you know some of these phenomenons yeah and you know it's kind of like for me it's not like I never saw it in time a lot of times these things you know show up afterwards where I'm looking at a picture or something like that I mean just look at UFOs you know we wouldn't have believed just if you know they just had a story we didn't believe when they just had stories well, it was funny. I was uh, teaching some workshops in London a month ago, and uh, I was walking with a friend of mine near Greenwich Park, which is this old, beautiful park. And the subject of butterflies came up. And uh, a friend of mine lives on a street called Red Admiral Street, which is a kind of butterfly that I guess used to be common in England, not as common anymore. And my friend's going, oh, that's a good name for a street. And I went, yeah, I don't know what a Red Admiral butterfly looks like within seconds. One comes and lands like a couple feet yeah. in front of the foot. And we're like taking pictures of it. We startled it and it flew off and it came back to the same spot. And she goes, they look like that. <laughs> no, it was That see, that kind of synchronicity is just undeniable. So beautiful. And I think sometimes the message, like, so my full name is Arthur, you know, people call me Art. And um, and that those aren't common names. Yeah. And, and, Twice I've like been channel surfing and I'd hear art, Arthur, art. And both times I would meditate and go, okay, you've got my attention. What's the message? And both times it was just, oh, we're just reminding you life is magical. Okay. Can you hear how magical it is? Yesterday, me and my daughter, while we were building the bed, she wanted to listen to soundtracks of movies. So we started out with Sing and then we did like Shrek. And then I was like, let's do Grease. And then I was like, ooh, there was a movie that I loved the songs. This movie with 
Dudley Moore. And I can't remember the name of it. And I sat there and racked my brain. And never did I remember it until the minute you just said your name. Arthur. <laughs> I loved that movie. Liza Minnelli. Right. Yes. I just My remembered that too. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun movie. And that they, they have a great soundtrack. Mm. I'm going to go listen to it after this because I was so mad I couldn't remember it. That, that is very funny. The, the, the funniest thing with my name is they, they used to have a magazine in Paris called Periscope, and it was a everything going on, you know, that week or month, you know, in Paris. And it was the first time I taught in Paris. And the, my sponsors, I showed up and they go, you're going to love this. This is the new Periscope magazine. And the, the on the cover, it goes art in capital. <laughs> and all yeah. around the metro, there were posters with with the cover on it. And they go, do you feel? And I go, yes, I feel very well. But Love yeah, me. thank you so much because I know what song it is. Uh, it's like Once in a Life. I could sing it, but <laughs> I don't want to ruin the episode. Seem to sing all the time. But yeah, thank you. Because it was driving me crazy. So see, it, it's those little moments. I don't know why. I know I have to listen to that song. Well, and I encourage anybody listening that if you just set the intention that you want more delightful synchronicities, they just start happening and and put something like delightful before it because uh, you know synchronicities can be very not fun. And but the other thing is if if when you have more synchronicities in life, you can't judge everything second by second. So right, uh, gotta be logical. That you know, <laughs> you have to see how it plays out. So yeah, place in Marin County, I would go to and and. We were studying, you know, psychic development and everybody was going to go meet in this coffee, cool coffee house in a very popular area in San Francisco. So everybody else had found parking but me. And I'm feeling (laughs) you can't even manifest a parking spot and everybody else did, you know, and I'm kind of criticizing myself. I finally find parking. I go, finally, I get out of the car and I ran into a friend of mine I hadn't seen for years who I wouldn't have run into. Had I got, you know, so that's what I mean. Sometimes when it doesn't seem to be working, there's a reason. You see, you have to kind of let it play out a little bit, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I love this. I find so many people, they'll they'll get an initial sign that they don't understand because it's it's like I've occasionally had people go, well, I was going to take your workshop, but all this stuff got in the way. So I took it as a sign and I go, usually that's a sign that you should come. (laughs) <laughs> I had a woman actually come late to one of my workshops once and she was going, oh, you know, I'm sorry, and had all this trouble getting here. So I know this is going to be life changing because whenever I have trouble getting to a workshop, it means the resistance is up because my life's going to get better. And before I studied NLP, the, my first class, I severely sprained my ankle. I probably actually fractured some bones. I had to borrow crutches from a friend and there was no <laughs> or anything. So I had to say, okay buses and taxis and it was like you know no parking spot <laughs> but actually it was all the resistance was you know, yeah. things are trying to block me the unconscious resistance for people that I don't, it's not like evil or bad it's just yeah it's try to avoid change even positive change and the biggest mistake in my life would have been if i hadn't shown up i mean because everything was magical once i showed up they initially go um does anybody need transportation for the next five days so it hasn't even started yet, and I have rides for the rest of the wow. time. Wow. Okay, so don't be afraid of 
of what you may see as a warning or don't make every obstacle a warning is what you're saying. Surface. And what I always encourage people to do, you can meditate on it and just go, okay, you've got my attention. Is there a message? And you won't always get an answer, but a lot of times you will get some kind of an image or words or feelings. And again, sometimes the first things that come up are not the deep truth. So you might have to do it a few times. I mean, I do think spirit talks to us, but it isn't always what we're expecting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Are you familiar with Ram Das? Yeah, he died a few years back. And if anybody's not familiar with an amazing person, beautiful spirit. And his mother and father, when they were, um, uh, every anniversary, his father would give his mother one, a single red rose. Mm-hmm. And his brother and his father were fairly conservative, or at least normal, you know, mainstream. And, <laughs> and Ram Das, he had been a, a professor at Harvard and was one of the early LSD investigators. But what it did for him is it opened him. He actually worked with Tim Leary and stuff, but he went into spirituality directly and changed his name to Ram Das. But so he's talking about at his mother's funeral. And he goes, he's trying not to smile because um, he's just feeling all the love for his mother. And he goes, if I smile, they're going to go, that's the one that does drugs. So he's <laughs> And there were all these red roses on his mother's casket. And when they were wheeling the casket by the father, one red rose falls off, fell off at his father's feet. And he goes, even my lawyer brother had to admit it was a sign. But, but then the story gets better because he goes, then they're trying to figure out, well, what do you do with that rose? You can't just throw it away. So they found out there was a company that would encase it in plastic with an inert gas. You could have it forever. Wow. So they did that, but there was a mistake in the process. So the rose is inside there disintegrating. You know, they, they, and, and, but Ram Dass said, he goes, I think that was the real message, you know, that we didn't need to hold on to the rose. <laughs> wow, no kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that would seem negative at first, but to him, it was like, but that was the real mess. You know, there was a message of love and then the message of like, you know, let go, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to you hold know what on. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting from all this that I never have thought of before is don't stop at the fear. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, of course, there's going to be some fear and it does scare a lot of us away. Like, don't stop there. There's something beyond that. Yeah, I mean, the first NLP course I took, it was a super advanced course. I had no business being in it, but I just had to find out if it was real. But, you know, besides, you know, really messing up my ankle, it was real expensive. Uh, I had to take, it was five days and five days next month. So I had to take six vacation days and, you know, and a lot of money and all this. And I had no idea if it was even going to be any good. I, I, I knew the teacher was supposed to be good. And so I'd reread the the, the pamphlet <laughs> flyer you know, 8,000 times, but I just kept going. But I could feel like, no, I'm supposed to go. You know, it's like my logical mind had a million reasons not to go, but but I just could feel something was telling me to go. So wow. if it stopped me, my life would have been so different. I, I can't even imagine what my life would be like now compared to where it is. Wow. That's awesome. That's a lot of wisdom there. And I think that that's something really I'm going to take with me today. And I'm going to be very conscious of that. So thank you. 
I've definitely learned a lot from you today. That's a huge one because even if I may have known it, it was not conscious to me. Mm. So, you know, just, and I think to a lot of people, I hear this all the time. I just heard this yesterday from someone, one of my listeners was debating whether or not to take one of my guest programs and, you know, it was really like, I hope I'm doing the right thing. You know, um, it's, you know, a commitment and yeah, she was really called. I mean, of all the things that she could have, you know, listened to and chose, that was the one. Mm -hmm. So moving just past that fear, there's definitely, like you said, we're all, it's all connected somehow divinely. I mean, I'm just, I'm super excited to get off and listen to Arthur's soundtrack. <laughs> I have to listen to it too. It is, it is great. Yeah. yeah. I, I guarantee you there's some wisdom in there I'm supposed to receive. Well, it's funny you're bringing it up because I used to go, Arthur gets such bad press other than King <laughs> Arthur. You know, Arthur in the movie, he's a drunk. You know, yes. like the butlers drunks or they're really noble but they don't know what's really going on (laughs) well you know if it if it makes it any difference to you i loved arthur's character oh good but see that's that that's that's me that's my personality right so i see someone in need in fact i'm around a lot of alcoholics i've been in alan on my whole life and so you know for well for most of my adult life so yeah and I really appreciate you coming on and spending this time with me. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm so happy to have been here. And I, you know, I, I think you're doing such great work in the world and you know, your podcasts are you have amazing people and, and you just create a great energy around it. And you're really just putting out something really wonderful in the world. And I love that it's not dogmatic, like so many well-intentioned people are. I, I just really lo- love what you're doing. So I'm thrilled to be able to contribute a little bit to it. Well, thank you very much. I feel like a, a student and I feel so fortunate. Tell everybody where they can find you. So the best way to experience my work, if you go to Blockbuster, one word Blockbuster, and then the numeral 7.com, blockbusterlucky7.com. If you sign up there, you'll get a video a day for four days that will take you to some really powerful transformative energy work. And you can just listen to it and uh, they're energized, and if you imagine it's happening live while you're you're watching it, you'll you'll experience really profound changes. I've uh, I've gotten so much great feedback from people on it, and you'll also learn some energy techniques that are simple, easy that you can do on your own to keep moving forward. I also I have everything from uh, on demand programs to a year long training, one to one sessions, in you can contact us at support at energetic, E-N-E-R-G-E-T-I-C, energeticnlp.com, nancylarrypeter.com. And, uh, but, but really a great way to start is just to sign up for the Blockbuster videos and you'll really get to experience the work and that, then you'll know if, if you want to do any more. But if all you did with the Blockbuster videos, you'd find it would really change your life. Wow. On Sundays, uh, if you go to change the world from your living room.com, I do a world healing meditation that also at the end is a personal, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical healing. Uh, and that's 
every Sunday. It's 10 a.m. Pacific time, California time. Change the world from your living room.com. You can sign up there and every Sunday and very, very powerful healing. The reason I do them together is, you know, I talked about like the old ideas of sacrifice and martyrdom. I want people to benefit when they do good when possible. So we do a world healing, then you get your own healing so that people really tie it together. And it takes about 45 minutes. It's easy. It's fun. You learn how to put your spirit in charge, and then you just relax and let the magic happen. I love it. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. And again, thank you for the wonderful work you're doing in the world. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast, and thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com, where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul Podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening. I love it. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. And again, thank you for the wonderful work you're doing in the world.